Imagine if each morning when you wake up, you're smiling and looking forward to your day, knowing you are happy even while you're dealing with grief and loss. The Grief and Happiness Podcasts inspires, comforts, and supports you with each new episode. I'm Emily Zerothret, welcoming you to explore with me your life of endless possibilities. Aloha, and welcome to our podcast for today of a lovely guest. Uh, now, I'm hoping I'm going to say this right, Dr. Marnie Hill Fortarero, right? Yes. Oh, mm-hmm. good. <laughs> Thank you. I know people always mispronounce my name, so I try to be really careful when I, I say someone else's names. And she's, she has an interesting story of a, a different kind of loss than we always usually talk about here, but... There's lots of different losses that we deal with, and we have so much in common with the things we experience and how we deal with them and the kind of support we could use when we're dealing with loss. And it's one thing when everybody knows that, for instance, your loved one died and they can comfort you there, but it's another thing if it's not so obvious to the the public that you're dealing with a loss. And that that can be challenging. So I, I think probably you've had some challenges with that. So you want to yeah. just kind of introduce yourself to us and, and tell us about your story? Sure, sure. My name is Marnie Hill Fodorero, and um, I'm an island girl like you. I live in St. Croix in the U.S. Virgin Islands. I know Ooh. you're in Maui yeah. in Hawaii. But I actually spent most of my life in the Chicago suburbs, Hmm. and I was a high school teacher for 35 years in the special education department. Twelve of those years, I was a university graduate school adjunct professor, and I was living the American dream with my wonderful career and raising two beautiful children and living in a gorgeous home and you know, just pursuing my passions, you know, my volunteer work, um, certainly loved my garden and my beautiful neighborhood. But after 27 years um, of marriage, I I chose to divorce um, my now ex-husband. And I just, there were some revelations, some confessions made, you know, just, it was very clear that my values of love and honesty and fidelity and fiscal responsibility and all of that were not the same values mm. that he held. And I I didn't really have an escape plan or anything. I just kind of followed my gut feeling and just, you know, I knew there was a defining moment and I knew I needed to leave that. And I knew I would have, there would be some repercussions, but I had no idea the extent of the repercussions and the losses that I would face. You know, I thought our home was paid off for 10 years at least. I made a very good salary as a teacher, and he made double mine. And with all the extra jobs I did, you know, I I was very guilty of just handing over my paycheck, you know, believing that he had good intentions with everything, you know. And I come to find out there's really a double life, a triple life. Mm. You know, I was kind of shocked to learn that um, what I thought was my reality was really not my reality. So I lost my American dream. You know, I still was very happy about my decision that I, I knew I needed to, to leave. 
Uh, but like I said, I had no idea the losses. I mean, my home, my assets, friends and family, and mm-hmm. all my neighbors, I lost to a smear campaign, mm-hmm. which happens when when someone who has malevolent attentions, you know, either discards or you discard them and they're on a mission to destroy you. They want to kind of keep up a false narrative, a public persona, you know, just uh, they want it to look good in the public eye or whatever. They certainly would never take responsibility for any of the, the really bad and immoral and unethical things that that were found out. So, but in the midst of all of this, I I did have a garage sale and um, I did, I was just presented with some miracles and it really, I was in a state of gratitude and love and just being thankful. And that's just kind of who I am as a person. And um, instead of being sad or angry or anything, and, you know, so many amazing things did happen that, really gave me the feeling that I was loved and supported and that, you know, I was making a good decision. I ended up writing um, an award-winning book, God Came to My Garage Sale, uh, which is also the title of my website. Uh, But that really kind of started me on my journey of writing to kind of heal from these losses. But it wasn't that much longer that, you know, I experienced a parent's worst nightmare. And I I lost my two adult children to parental alienation. Mm. They did not die in the physical. But, you know, I'm going on a decade without them in my life. And they were adults at the time when I chose to divorce. They weren't little kids. They weren't minors. They were 20 and 23. Uh, So you would think they would know better. You know, they know which parent lies, cheats and steals and which parent is the unconditional loving parent. I mean, but it's just mind blowing to experience parental alienation. And that happens to wonderful fathers and wonderful mothers. And, and, you know, part of this whole dynamic is the entire extended family is affected as well, but it's, the loss is just devastating. And, um, you know, it took a while to cope um, with just the initial shock, you know, you, You think, okay, it's been a week or it's been a month, but then when it's a year and then the years go on and on and on, all the missed milestones, all the just everyday moments that you're not, you know, involved with your children. And so many of us that are parents, I mean, you know, being a mom or dad is like, you know, the biggest part of our life, the biggest joy, you know, kind of our mission in the world. Well, you know, I had to learn the hard way that. I guess that wasn't my journey. I mean, it was, and I'm thankful for the 20 years I had with my children. But, you know, the reality is, is they're not in my life. And um, and the abuser wants to make sure that they won't be in my life. And I had to learn a lot. I had to do a lot of research. Just like anyone that loses someone in the physical I'm sure part of the healing process is to learn about grief, to learn about the different stages and what to expect or, you know, when you are experiencing something, you know, um, realize you're not alone in experiencing, 
you know, these emotions. So I did a deep dive into domestic abuse, into parental alienation. And that led me to understanding Stockholm syndrome and independent thinker syndrome and actually learning how cults operate because this form of child abuse and intimate partner violence can actually really be compared to a cult. And um, but that actually it, it doesn't take the pain away, but it certainly helps you cope and understand that, you know, uh, there's only so much you can do as a loving parent when you're faced with parental alienation. And uh, luckily, I found love again. I found uh, purpose again. I've written a, a five book series called True Deceit, False Love addressing some of these topics, very well received, highly endorsed by, you know, very important influencers in this abuse recovery community. Um, I moved from the Chicago suburbs to the Caribbean, where I'm just immersed in in the beauty of nature. I, I'm connected to God more. I'm connected to uh, living off the land and just kind of even though I found beauty in Chicago and I can find beauty anywhere, I believe, it's a wonderful place to heal and to and to work through, you know, the emotions that I went through. So so I know that's been kind of long winded, but that's basically the story of of my loss. And it's a journey. I think I I, you, I don't think you ever recover from these losses. You just learn how to cope and then you have to make conscious choices on how you're going to respond, you know, and how you're going to live your life. I choose to live my life with happiness, with, you know, being grateful, you know, just counting the blessings that I did have and that I do have. That's a wonderful way to live. It really is. So no matter what your challenges are, if you can get to that point, then then you can not only survive, but you can thrive. And mm -hmm. you, you certainly seem to be thriving to yeah. me. Mm -hmm. yeah. And there's something about an island. Uh, I, mm -hmm. I know it's it's made all the difference in the world to me with, with dealing with my loss and, and grief to be on this beautiful island with here we have aloha i don't know what it's like in st croix but it's just this like a universal love in general that people right. treat each other with respect and with love and kindness and it's it's quite wonderful yeah and i feel that way too on the island you know i'm on st croix which is one of the three united states virgin islands and even though it's the largest in land uh, even though it's only 22 miles by eight miles, you wow. know, wide, it is the smallest of the Virgin Islands in population compared to St. Thomas, for example, that is a smaller island, but, you know, much larger in population. So, and I also live on many acres in the rainforest on the Ooh. west end. So I am really in a very private paradise. Wow. And, and so I... I really am enjoying the peace and tranquility that, you know, this new experience, this new living experience um, has brought me, you know, I, in some ways I, every now and then when I'm, 
in a tough time kind of going through these losses because really it comes in waves, Mm -hmm. you know, as, as most everyone knows, you know, you can go along just fine and, and then you could be triggered by, you know, a memory with your children or something like that, that, you know, puts you in a little bit of a state of sadness, but, you know, at the same time, like I said, I handle it positively. I realize we all have our own journeys. Boy, it took me, you know, this experience actually encouraged me to do a deep dive into my own childhood interactions with my family and, you know, learn to put up some healthy boundaries and realize, wait a minute, I need to take care of myself and I need to put myself in positive situations. Uh, Believe me, I had, you know, many negatives and I don't want to live that way. I don't want to live that way. But Anyway, it is a journey. It is a journey, but uh, I, I feel I'm on the best path. And and the writing has been so therapeutic for me, you know. And to know that my words and how I've learned to cope with things has made a difference in other people's lives. You know, when I go on book signings or speaking engagements, you know, people come up to to and tell me, "Wow, you you really made a difference in my life." And you know, it's great to hear that, even if it's just from one person, but I'm hearing it from a lot of people. And it's nice to know, you know, just like your amazing book. And, and I know you've got your new book coming out, which I just cannot wait to get that, you know, Ignite Forgiveness. Um, you know, that's very healing because, you know, writing is very solitary. In many ways, healing is a very solitary process. But you, when you know you can touch other people's lives, you know, while you're healing, you're bringing inspiration to other people. That, that's true. And that's that's the most exciting part of this kind of work to me is, is when somebody tells me that, oh, I read that exactly when I needed to hear it. Right. I'm so glad that you did that podcast today or wrote that blog today or whatever it is that I've, I've done that. It, it means a lot and it encourages me to do more, but sure. I, I feel like I'm not isolated. I'm not, you know, in, in my own world, just dealing with myself. And that, that makes a huge difference. Writing has been an incredible comfort to me in, in dealing right. with loss. And I love to share different writing ways, ways of writing to help people deal with loss. And it, it just feels really good to do that. And I agree, too. Actually, one of my books in the True Deceit False Love series is a workbook for people to do acrostic poetry. Mm. And that's a different form of writing, but it's a definitely a way to heal where you write a word vertically and you're able to, like, put sentences or phrases connected that are very personal to you to to either be informational or work out your emotions. So So writing is just a very healing process for sure. It is. And and people, they'll say, well, I I can't do that. I've never done that before, but I'll start them out like on haiku, where it's a very simple uh, way to write poetry, where you've got three lines, only three lines, and only a total of uh, 12 syllables, not 12, five, seven, five, 17 syllables. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Okay. But there's something about boiling it down to something so right. short, so concise, 
that can really bring their feelings and their thoughts together. And they really respond well to learning how to do that. I've had some people that once we had one session on it, have done it every day for from then on. Right, right. And, and, you know, journal every day. Right. And haiku also, I, I just recently took a class on haiku, but, you know, it's, connected with nature as mm-hmm. well and nature just being in nature and the wonder of it all i mean believe me where i live it is not a dull moment every single day you know there's some amazing thing to see and so incorporating nature and observing nature while you are healing is is just tremendous but yeah people people oftentimes think oh i can't do that and i've taught some writing workshops to really encourage people yes you can you can do it you don't you can break it down into steps and haiku breaks it down you know probably that's the most minimal writing mm-hmm. possible that could have the most profound impact it does. As you said, that traditionally it's it's about nature. That's that's why it was started. And traditionally, the third line is a surprise. Uh-huh. And when people get to writing it like that, where they concentrate on the first two lines and then they just see what comes out for the third line, they're often surprised themselves. Sure. And it's really it's a really cool way to do things. Uh-huh. I like that a lot. I do want to ask you about God coming to your garage sale. Yeah. Can you tell us about that? Oh, my gosh. Sure. I'd love to. You know, like I said, I was in a state of gratitude, you know, even though I had lost everything. I still saw the glass half full. I had many different miracles. And I my spiritual fiction actually is inspired by all true events. So so uh, so many of these experiences are, are, you know, outlined in my book, God came to my garage sale. But like, for example, one of them, I was at the cul-de-sac looking back at my home, kind of reflecting on all the beautiful memories that I had there with my family, you know, especially my children. And um, all of a sudden a dragonfly circled me and right away, uh, there were five dragonflies. And even then I didn't really think too much of it. I thought, wow, that's pretty neat. Um, I didn't connect it to anything spiritual or anything, but within a, under a 10 minute period, there were 50 to a hundred dragonflies circling me. Wow. And I was in a slow motion kind of trance and I could see the dragonflies going down the road and coming back to the cul-de-sac and circling me. And It was so slow, I could see the veins and the wings, and I could see the iridescent colors. And I saw all different sizes that I personally, at that moment, equated with people. Like, not specific people, just these are babies, toddlers, teenagers, grandparents, young adults, that type of thing. But the feeling I got that I was being surrounded with love, and I was supported, and... um, All of the experiences that I had at this garage sale and then many since are also in slow motion where it's almost like an out-of-body experience. And I don't think I would have even believed it if I didn't experience it myself and then went on a research quest because I'm someone who needs proof and I need evidence and 
you know, I learned that there are other people that have had these kinds of experiences. And then you learn about dragonflies being transformational and, and you know, so many different cultures, you know, the dragonfly signifies something. Uh, but that was just one of many things. There were things that I would have really chalked up to coincidences, but there were too many to just say, well, that's a coincidence that that happened. There were people that came to the garage sale and left without even me seeing them come or go. Um, there was one person that was actually levitated above the ground, which, you know, I'm I, I, like, is my mind playing tricks on me? You know, is there a boulder she's standing on? Is there a crate or something? But no. And and there were people surrounding her. And I was like, where did all these people come from? And they're just all listening to her as she's speaking. And, and I happened to be um, kind of organizing these Italian charms. I had lots of these different little personalized Italian charms that you hook to each other. And, you know, I had so many, I made a belt mm. and uh, actually I made a couple belts. Oh, so wow. I, I had a lot of these, these charms because, you know, when you buy them, they're like 30 cents each, you know, some might be a dollar, you know, but it's, it was something that, you know, you could, you could personalize, you know, and just like there's so many personalized jewelry or something like that. Uh, but I remember seeing all these Italian charms on this woman that was, you know, above the ground, kind of as if she had disciples below her or something. And I'm watching intently. But, I, you know, just with all my experiences, I don't stop to question. I don't go up to them and say, what's going on here? You know, how can this happen? You know, what's but I and I remember then. At another point at the garage sale, when I saw her, she didn't have any of the charms on her arms. So that was it was really like spiritually transformative experiences. And I went on to do research and, you know, connected with a lot of people who have had near-death experiences with IONS, with the International Association of Near-Death Studies. And actually, you know, there were many medical doctors that were previously atheists that, you know, had, you know, flatlined or had a spiritual experience and, and came back to, to talk about it and say, listen, this was life-changing, you know? I mean, in many of the things that I witnessed, I actually had um, someone else there that saw the same thing. So, so that was very validating as well, but there were just so many miracles, but the, you know, the feeling that I got was, that there's a, a bigger picture going on here and that, you know, when people die from earth, that there really is a transition and that there could be different planes of existence. And, you know, I, I, I guess I'm still sorting that all out, you know, um, because I don't know that we ever fully a hundred percent know, but I sure am believing that, you know, our souls go on and it's not just in the memories of our, uh, uh, you know, of the ones left behind. I, I think that there's so much more going on here. And, and that's helped me understand why bad things happen to good people or, you know, as a parent that can't save their own children from child abuse. You know, I, I can't, I can't save them from this abuse. 
of parental alienation. It's just so devastating. It's just, uh, it's, it's mind boggling the pain and, and how you feel you can only do so much. Um, and believe me, I've tried as much as I can in so many different ways. Um, but the abusers, you know, they use the court systems and the legal, you know, they, they'll do anything to, to, keep you they they want you destroyed you know and and when you're not destroyed i mean he took everything away from me but i'm not destroyed i'm actually more evolved more self-actualized yeah i have losses but and there are people that have had many more losses than i have had and i would never wish this on anyone on anyone any type of loss but I, I'm choosing to handle it with love and with goodness and just with hope. That's the best thing in the world to do, to, to be able to see that and, and handle it in that way. I was, I, one of my podcasts, it was with Dr. Evan Alexander. I know him. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and Karen Newell, they, mm. they together, they, they have changed yes. the whole thought process on, on okay. dying. Yeah, and, and near-death experiences and yes. dying. Um, and I, I highly recommend them for people to um, read about them, listen to them. They're they're really, really fascinating people. Now, Evan's book is Proof of Heaven. Uh-huh, Proof of yeah. Heaven. But he's had many, many other books. I got to know mm -hmm. him and Karen when I was in Chicago. Um, uh. I think our paths crossed first at the Infinity Center, um, which is a kind of a spiritual center in the, the North Shore suburbs of Chicago. Um, but then, of course, you know, I have followed their work and um, have connected with them several times. So, yeah, pretty life changing. Uh, and he provides so much proof. Oh, yeah, he does. Yeah, you can't dispute what his knowledge. I mean, he's he was a Harvard neuro neurosurgeon. I mean, he. You know, he's someone who uh, is very, very well read, very practical. But yeah, he had experiences that changed his life. Not only changed his, but changed medicine because yes. he he had such an influence in bringing the study of consciousness right. to like neurosurgeons in particular because they they had a very black and white look at life and death. You're here and then you're not. And by looking at consciousness, starting with his experience, it's really changed the way that, that people in the medical field look at life and death and near-death experiences and what that brings to everyone. Right. Was, and there are other, are there are other medical professionals, oh yeah, professionals like Dr. Mary Neal, who, who died in a kayak accident. I read and that one too. Was, you remember her? And, mm -hmm. you know, of course she was atheist before, after having these experiences, you know, really brought more to the literature that, that our consciousness does survive. Mm -hmm. it, it really does. I was also thinking when you were talking about the dragonflies, about an experience that I had during the pandemic. I have a sister who is much older than I am, and she didn't die of COVID, but she died right at the height of the pandemic when she lived on the mainland and I lived in Hawaii and I wasn't able to go over there. And it was it was tough. Right. And I thought I, 
I need to do something here just for me. Mm-hmm. And I had remembered when my husband Ron died, and he died here on the island, that we had an ash scattering for him at the the ocean where people came and we had had a beautiful ceremony. Most of it was actually done in the Hawaiian language, so I'm not sure exactly what they said, but you could just feel the love. It was right. it was amazing. And I was amazed at how many people showed up because we had just lived here and he'd been sick the whole time we were here. And we didn't get to meet that many people. But his doctor showed up, our gardener showed up, the housekeeper showed up, the neighbors showed up. Uh, all these people and the people that he'd known before we moved here, it was it was lovely. And they all brought grocery bags full of flowers that they'd picked from their yard. Wow. And so when they did the ash scattering, we all we went out on these these uh, canoe like outrigger canoes, and took the flowers with us and scattered the flowers along with the ashes, and it was it was absolutely gorgeous. So I thought, well, I'm I don't really have anybody to share the my sister's loss with me, and especially it was right when everybody was staying home, absolutely. Right. But one of my friends took me to the beach, to a real isolated beach. And I took flowers from my yard and we went out. And one thing that was really amazing here during the pandemic was the water, the ocean water was crystal clear. Mm-hmm. When when we're full of tourists and lots of people around, it's not not as clear. It's there are places that it's it's relatively clear and lovely, but this was absolutely crystal clear. I was I was trying to take pictures and it looked like I was taking pictures of the sand because the water was so clear. You couldn't, wow. couldn't see that it was through the water. So I took these flowers and I, I spread them out there and a friend of mine had driven me there and I was just standing there after I spread the flowers and had taken some pictures and was looking out at the ocean and he came over and tapped me on the shoulder and I looked at him and he pointed down. So I looked down and there was a butterfly sitting on my toe. And I was able to take a picture of it. I was very still, but, and I I took a few because the butterfly would be like this most of the time, but then he'd open up and I was able to get the the pictures of him on my toe with his, his beautiful wings opened up. And I just, I felt her presence. It was so, so wonderful. And it reminded me of when my husband and I would sit on our lanai here on the island because he he was kind of weak toward the end, and we'd spend a lot of time just sitting outside, and the butterflies would come and sit on him. They never yes. sat on wow. me, but they'd come and sit on him. And so I thought, well, it's it's kind of a combination of both of them, and it's okay. We're all right. Well, definitely a beautiful sign from the universe. Mm-hmm. And, you know, from what I believe now that, you know, ceremonies and that type of thing are really for the living Mm -hmm. um, because, and it doesn't have to look like what people think. In fact, you know, everything that's happened has had us rethink, you know, all of that, but you got to connect on a personal level and, and have that butterfly experience. And that was, that just is beautiful. And that's something you'll always remember. And probably when you see butterflies now, you'll look at them differently. Oh, yeah. yeah. I always thought of them with uh, Ron. And one thing that happened with, with Ron, too, after he was gone, I had spent a lot of time by myself. And we have an art center that's not too far from where I live. And I thought, I need to get out. And I'm, I'm going to go take a class. 
Yeah. And being creative is very, very. Oh, yeah. It's really good. So I decided I'd take this class and I got in the car and started to drive and I was surrounded by butterflies. I was amazed in the car. Right. Now, in my past, I've had butterflies fly in the grill of my car and you see them there and, you know, that's not exactly what I wanted to see. And none of these landed or stuck to my car, but they flew around my car all the way from my house to the art center. And apparently they were doing this migration. And I didn't know on Maui, that's the most remote place in the world, that the butterflies were migrating from someplace. Right, right. But it was so powerful. And I thought I just felt like I was getting a big hug. Yeah, right, right. Wonderful. That's just beautiful. So I have really enjoyed talking with you today. I will, uh, on the show notes, I'll have uh, your website and then we'll tell more about your books yeah. there because I'm sure people are going to be interested in, in sure, your books. Sure. And I'm I'm glad that we got to have this conversation together. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for, for having me on your show and and for having these candid conversations and letting people know that loss and grief can come in many different forms. And, you know, it's not always when someone passes away in the physical, um, because I really experienced the death of my living children. And, and that's something that a lot of people don't want to talk about. And that's, very hard for some people to understand. They might think, well, you know, you must have done something to make your child estranged from you or something. But that's not how it is. Actually, that's the farthest thing from the truth, that it really takes one abuser, one alienator that, you know, is is on a mission. And all I can do And I've gotten to a point of forgiveness. That's one of the reasons why I can't wait for your new book to come out. Because not only have I been able to forgive myself, you know, for not paying attention to red flags or staying in this abusive relationship longer than I should have. You know, you always question, should I have done this? Should I have done that? But in some ways, our journeys are meant to play out the way that they do. And we can't always kind of control them or control the outcomes. And so anyway, I I appreciate that you wanted to talk about a different form of grief because um, it really is something that's been a journey. But I think if we handle our challenges and our losses with love, because I believe it's all about love, you can come to a point of even forgiving people that do malicious things that are out to to cause people harm because you you learn boy they're damaged people themselves they might have a personality disorder they might have their own childhood wounds that make them act a certain way treat people a certain way it it doesn't mean you let them back in your life or you let a you know people that are you know negative in your life on a day to day but you can at least understand that, you know, there might be a bigger picture going on here. And getting to a point of forgiveness is a very healthy part of this journey. And I only wish well, I I pray for my abuser. Of course, I pray for my children that they will be safe. And, uh, you know, it's hard as a parent 
to, especially in these times, not to have any connection with them. But I have to, at some point, take care of myself and and let go and let God really, because really, you know, it's their journey now. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. And I have heard stories from uh, other parents, even parents who have been close to me of uh, situations not exactly like yours, but uh, along that line where they've lost a child. They didn't die, but they've lost a child. And it's it's, uh, heartbreaking. And when you can get to that point of forgiveness and just sending them love and staying in that space, it helps you as much as whether they even realize that you're dealing with it that way. It it helps you be able to live your best life. Right, yeah. Well, thank you again for having this candid conversation, and I hope it inspires someone who is going through some loss that might look a little different to realize that you can come out and you can, like you said before, not only survive, but you can thrive. That's right. That's right. Well, thank you so much. And to my listeners, uh, we'll see you again next week. Thank you so much for listening. Do you want more comfort, support, and happiness? Join the Grief and Happiness Alliance. Visit my website at lovingandlivingyourwaythroughgrief.com and read my book, Loving and Living Your Way Through Grief. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast, rate it, review it, and binge on all our episodes on grief and happiness. I can't wait to welcome you back to another episode.